Good morning, New Life Church. If you're here with us, have a seat where you are today. If you're at home today or watching later in this week, we are just glad to have you joining us. It is just great to be able to be here. It is Christmas time. Christmas time is here. It is here, here. I don't know about you. Um, I, um, I'm a gift giver. There's this little test you can take about your five love languages, and one of mine is gift giving. I love giving gifts. I'm pretty good at it. Um, I remember what people like and what they don't like, and um, I take joy in finding gifts for people. Um, not everybody else in my life is a good gift giver which is why for the majority of my life, I have been buying my own gifts as long as, as well as everybody else's. Um, I've done most of the Christmas shopping for most everybody in my family. So um, most years, I everybody's surprised but me on Christmas morning with what everybody's gotten, right? I love to give gifts, and it, it is Christmas time, and it is fun. There's some expectation on Christmas morning. My kids have aged out of wanting toys, which is kind of sad. Because it, two things, it's fun to watch little kids open presents. Other things means when they don't, when they grow out of toys, then everything they want is super expensive. Oh, and it's just not as much fun. So I have enjoyed uh, recently asking some little kids what they want for Christmas. And I was uh, with Pastor Jeremy and Haley and with their girls, and they know that I like to buy girl toys. And so they brought me their Amazon catalog and walked me through everything that they had circled. Um, and it was just so much fun to see them have circled everything. Everything in the book was circled. And to see them have such expectation, right, of these things that they see that they want, but they don't really know what they're going to get, you know? There's just that expectation that comes at Christmas time. Even if you're a mom and maybe you buy all the Christmas presents, we have a Christmas cottage at our school, and I love to see what my kid picks out for me. It's always random, so very random. One year I snuck in there and showed his teacher things that I liked so that she could try to point him in that direction because I'm that person. But a lot of times it's just really exciting. He gets us random things like hot sauce and aprons and just all kinds of crazy things. But there's just this expectation that comes at Christmas time, a little bit of excitement. And this year, we've kind of gotten to the point where the unexpected is not as exciting, right? We don't know what to expect, but we are not excited about that. The surprise just keeps coming in 2020, and that may not be super enjoyable. But right now, we're in this season of Advent. And you may have carefully picked out every gift that's under the tree and wrapped them beautifully. You may be sitting here knowing that there's presents under your tree and you don't know what's in any of them. You may have some expectation for what that day is going to bring or maybe some hesitation for what that day is going to bring. But one thing we know in Advent and one thing that we can be sure of is that this season is brings us the promise of love, the love of Jesus Christ. And it is a gift we get to open every single day. It is a gift that with excitement we can know is always there for us. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. 
because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. That's the kind of consistency we need in our life. That's the consistent expectation that we never have to worry about. The love of God never fails. We are not consumed. It is the gift that keeps on giving that never runs out. It is a promise and a sure thing. And we know that every morning, the love of God is right there with us. Let's pray as we get into the word today. Lord, I thank you for your love. And God, I know that this season is full of a lot of joy. But Lord, wherever there is joy, there is oftentimes also sorrow. So Lord, today I just pray that those who are caught in that in-between of joy and sorrow, beauty and ashes, heartache and love, that you would just be right there in the middle. God, thank you that we are not consumed. And may we today just have such expectation for the love that you give us every single day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, um, in my neighborhood, I live in a neighborhood in town. It's a historic neighborhood. And it's it's fun to live in, in the Atlanta area because the houses started being built as early as 1918, 1920, sometime in there. And so there are um, houses that are old that have been made to look new and houses that are new that have been made to look old. And there are houses that are really well taken care of. There's some of us that are in between. That would be me, somewhere in between there. And then there are some houses that are really run down. There's always that one house in the neighborhood. Um, it's abandoned. It's um, kind of ugly. It has potential, you know. People look and say, oh, it has good bones, but it also has raccoons. And so it's kind of a, a give and take type of situation, right? There's always that one house in the neighborhood that's just worn down. And when you drive by it, it just, man, you feel bad, right? And the longer it goes without anyone living there, the worse it gets. The longer the house is empty, the worse it gets. Isn't that crazy to think about? You would think sometimes that, I mean, at least for me, having giant kids in my house, that people living in the house could sometimes be the worst thing that could happen to a house. But being empty and abandoned is the worst thing that happens to one of those houses. They quickly become consumed by animals and people going in and out. They quickly become worn down and torn down with windows broken out. And they get completely consumed and overrun. And they get abandoned and destroyed. And before too long, and I've seen it in my neighborhood, there's a little sticker that's slapped on the door. It's yellow. And it says condemned on it. And once that sticker is on that door, that's it. There's no more hope for that house. The next step for that condemned house is to be absolutely leveled, torn down brick by brick. Nothing left to be saved about it once that sticker goes on. 
unless somebody looks at it and says, I think I can do something with that. Unless somebody comes in and snatches it up for a steal and goes in and begins to love that house back to life. That's one of the other great things about living in our neighborhood is that you see these houses that have been torn down. I mean, they're broken, falling apart, porches falling in. And then a few weeks later, there's crews of people out there working. And the next thing you know, this house starts to be rebuilt. And before you know it, there's a polished house sitting there with a sign in front of it. And then the next thing you know, there's a family moving into it. And I just think about that house and how just weeks before, there was a sticker on it that said, condemned. No life can be here anymore. It's not safe. But somebody saw it and said, those are good bones. And they love it back to life. And a family walks in and they never know that the house that they live in was just a little while ago set to be destroyed. That's us, really. Condemned houses, broken, worn down, empty, empty of love and broken, wind blowing through and not a lot of hope. And then a Savior came. He came down. He made the decision to be born into this world, and he came down. And he planted his flag and said, this is my neighborhood. Each of these houses I see, each of these people that come into this world broken, worn down, and condemned, I look at them and I say, I will love you back to life. And I look at you and I see the good bones that my father constructed and knit together in your mother's womb. I look at you and I see the breath of the living God that I blew into your lungs. I look at you and I see the potential inside you. And the rest of the world looks and it sees a bunch of broken down people with windows knocked out and no hope, drafty inside, condemned to nothingness. And Jesus came and he said, this is my neighborhood. This is where I plant my flag. Let me love you back to life. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the only person recorded in the Bible who was present at both the birth and death of Jesus. She was chosen to carry the love of the world inside of her. She birthed love into this earth, birthed it in. And then she watched that love die for all of us. And she knew all along, in fact, when she took Jesus in at only eight days old, the prophet Simeon told her, your heart will be pierced. And so she knew. She carried the love of the world and heartache of knowing that she would lose him all in the same place. They don't exist without each other. Love and heartache, they go together. They're part of it. That house that was once broken and worn down, it still carries signs that it was once broken. You'll find the little marks in the wall, the nicks, the scratches in the floor. 
You'll find the little things that let you know this house has lived a life. Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave birth to love, and she also carried heartache with her. But when love came in, he declared, I will love you back to life. We are not consumed. Our fleshly bodies, our souls were declared condemned by the world. And Jesus said, I will love you back to life. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Today, I want to talk to you about three steps of the renovation of love that God does in our lives. Three ways that God loves us back to life. And all of us will find ourselves at different stages of these renovations at different points in time. And the very first one is that when Jesus approaches your condemned, broken down life, the first thing he has to do is move in. He has to move in. And let me tell you, when he walks up to our condemned, broken lives, there is no power, there is no light, there is no heat. It is not conducive. It is not a comfortable place to come and sit in. But Jesus looks at you and he says, I have come not to condemn you, but to save you. So let me move in. The first thing that you have to make room for, the first choice you have to make is to let love move in. You don't have to pretty yourselves up. You don't have to pretend You don't have to go around and try to hang pictures over the holes in the wall. He sees it all. He's walked the breadth of every distance of every corner of you. He knows every imperfection. And yet he still says, I want to move in. So listen, today, if you have never taken that step, whether you're at home, whether you're here, we don't take for granted that just because you've been in church a million times, that that means that you have taken that step. Today, if you have never said, I am falling apart, God, move in. And today's the day that love wants to move in. Today, God wants to remind you the verse you've heard your whole entire life. It's written for you. For God so loved you that he sent his only son. And not to condemn you, but to save you. So all you have to do is let love move in. And you can look around and say, Jesus, I don't have a bed for you. I don't have a comfortable place for you to sleep. This is kind of a rocky place. It's not very comfortable. It's kind of broken down. And he will always say, that's okay. I'm moving in. He came to save you. So let him move in. The next thing that Jesus does is he secures and renovates. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in 
love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When God moves in, when the love moves into your life, the first thing it has to do is strengthen and secure and renovate. Now, I don't like the dirty work. I just want to come in and paint and decorate, right? But if you paint and decorate, but you don't fix the foundation, it's going to be a real pretty mess when it crumbles. So before you can worry, there's, let me tell you, we have a world that is full of people who have painted houses that are falling apart. We have a whole world full of people sitting in churches who look really pretty and they have all the right signs and t-shirts and everything looks the right and they have the right things on their social media pages, but it is literally paint on a crumbling house. The first thing that God has to do when he moves in is he has to secure you. It says that he has to strengthen you with power, that he wants to dwell in you through faith, that he wants to root and establish you. That kind of work isn't pretty. It's hard. We had someone come in and have to fix a part of the floor in our old house. They had to crawl underneath it and jack up part of the house to get it back where it's supposed to be. There is nothing glamorous about fixing the structure of our lives. But it has to be done. When Jesus moves in, he wants to fix your foundation. And let me tell you today, if you have built your life on the opinion of other people, if you have built your life and hanging by the thread because of rejection from other people, if all of your life is hinging and teetering and balancing on anything other than the love of God, then your foundation is going to crumble. And you have got to let Jesus come in and shore you up. He says, I want to strengthen you with power. I want to dwell in you with faith. I want to root and establish you. He needs to sure you up. So listen today, if Jesus is in your heart, if he's moved in, you've got to let him do the hard work of shoring you up. Those places that you have been unsure about letting other people see, you've got to let him in. You can't hide the frayed cords and the crumbling foundations from Jesus. You got to let him know. You got to let him know, I've been been pulling my power from my neighbors. This extension cord coming out of me, it's plugged into my neighbor's house. I've been trying to draw power from their opinion of me and whether I look right or play the part right. You feel that heat? Yeah, it's a broken boiler. It's pumping carbon monoxide into my house all the time. But at least I'm warm. Jesus has got to come in and he's got to fix the structure of your life. What is your source of power? What is the strength that holds you together? Where is your faith grounded in? Are you established in love? Because let me tell you, the renovation part is fun, but it's no fun if the structure won't hold. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. 
Somebody's going to sing it with me. It might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. You'll have to build your house once more. You cannot let yourself try to be structured and held together and build yourself with the pieces of the puzzle provided by a world that has no strength in it. You have got to let Jesus Christ come in and be your foundation. You have got to let him knock some holes in some walls and pull out some wires and re-put you back together so that you won't catch fire, so that you won't crumble, so that you won't fall apart, so that you can withstand whatever comes your way. He has declared that you are his residence. Let him come in and fix your structure. And then he will renovate you. Don't we love a good renovation? we love a good renovation. It says, I hope that you will know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus. How wide. There are property lines all around you. There's an area of your life, little places where you have deposited yourself. There is a territory in which you exist in. And Jesus wants to walk every corner of that property of your life. He wants to know how far out it goes this direction and that direction so that he can walk around it. He wants to go all the way to the width of every corner of your life and know everything about you because he wants to touch every part of you. There is no corner too far. There is no side over there too far away from him. There is no part of you that you have to hide from him. You don't have to throw a blanket over the mess and over the trash so that people don't see it. He says, let me see every corner. Let me know every thought. Let me walk with you every place that you go. I want to show you how wide my love is. How long the love is. When, when you're renovating a house and you're decorating, you think about all those key rooms, right? Your kitchen, your living room, you want them to look pretty. But Jesus isn't about just paving all of the pretty visible spots. Every hallway, every long corridor between here and there, every length, that comes out from you. He loves every little part. He leaves no part unfinished. No part of you is meant to be left untouched by God. There's no hallway that's dark. He goes in and he changes the light bulbs and he brings light to the places that you didn't even think to be lit up. There are parts of you that are meant to be beautiful and shine and have value that you don't even know because you've just ignored them for so long. And Jesus says, hey, let me come in right here. This long spot, this part you've neglected, this boring part, I want to be there too. Every little spot I fit there. How high the love of Christ is. We have an attic, and I didn't really ever have gone up there. We started looking and found all kinds of interesting things up there in that attic. When I was little, we lived in this house that you could pull the stairs down, you know, from the ceiling, pull that little thing. And um, we, my brother and I would climb up there, and our dog would climb up the stairs, run up the little ladder, and then couldn't figure out how to get down. But we would go up there, and it was this big attic. We would love to go up there and kind of run around and explore it, you know. 
And I don't know if you've ever had an attic before, but you will find things tucked in all kinds of corners, and you'll be like, really? I had totally forgotten about that. Remember, though, listen, Jesus doesn't leave any corner unturned. So all those thoughts and all those things that you've hidden away, that that experience that hurt you, maybe really, really hurt you, and you've tried to put it in a box and shove it into the corner of the attic because you, you, can't, you can't deal with it. Those things that you've pushed away and you've hidden away, he says, let's pull those out. Let's pull them out. Let's deal with it. You can't hide anything high enough on a top enough shelf that Jesus can't reach it. There is no corner that he is not going to climb up to. And he's not going to say, uh, Lindsay, you got something up there? I can see it. Oh, no, Jesus, that's not important. That's not important. (laughs) Haven't used it in years. (laughs) Trying not to think about it. Trying to forget where it is. And he says, no, we're going to pull that box down. Because I want to go there, too. I want to go to that corner. That high spot. How deep is the love of God. I don't like creepy basements. We went to a house and looked at it, and it was super cute, and then we went in the basement. And that was it. It was like half walls, and then there was like the space of dirt between like the half and like the floor. I was too charismatic growing up. I don't like scary movies. This looked like the scene of a scary movie. I was like, get me out of here. There's clearly something not good here. I do not like dark, yucky basements. Nobody does, right? What do you put in the basement? The stuff you really don't want nobody to find. (laughs) Way down deep. And Jesus says, let's put on our boots and let's go down to the depths today. We cannot finish. The work of the love of Jesus cannot be completed until you let him go to the depths with you. Oh, way down deep. There's some darkness and some depths in all of us, and we have got to let Jesus have access to it. Love came down for God so loved the world that he gave the gift of his son to be born into this world, to usher love into this place, so that you should know eternal life. So that you could know how high and long and wide and deep the love of Jesus is. So deep that it goes to depths you did not know you could go. To all the places that you thought, I'll just shove it down and shove it down and shove it down. And it's deep and it's below. And Jesus says, we're going there. I'm going there. I came to do a complete work in you. We will not leave any depth unplunged. He loves you that much. It says that you may be filled to to the measure of all the fullness of God. That means he wants every corner to be touched by him. Every room to be touched by him and filled to the measure of his fullness. He wants your life to be full. He wants 
to love you back to life. So he moves in. And then he begins to do the work of rebuilding and restructuring you and renovating you. And the last thing that he begins to prepare us for is for the open house. Open house. That's where you let people in. Now, I am a very welcoming person. But I don't really like a lot of people coming to my house. Because I don't really like to have to clean up my house all the time. And so I have family coming in this week. My mom was coming, and um, I knew I needed to clean my house. I didn't want to do it. Um, and so, and my boys didn't want to do it because they don't ever want to clean. And so I called Morgan, and I was like, Morgan, you love to clean, which is a gift that the Lord has given you, and he gave me none of that. And so can you come to my house and help me love it back to life? <laughs> can you come love the floors and the dishes with me, please? And she did. And she came and she helped clean my house. And I'm not kidding. I paid her for it. It was important. I needed some help getting my house ready to have somebody else come in it. She's great. If you need help, you should talk to her. That open house means now, look, God has done a work and he didn't help me get myself full and ready and clean me up and fix me and show me and fill me full of love so that I could sit there and then lock my doors and peek through the windows and be like, oh, it's nice in here. Y'all have fun out there. No, he means for us to be able to be open to the world around us. First John chapter four, verses eight through 12. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He chose us before and despite. He chose you before you ever chose him. And he chose you despite what you would say or do in this life. And we must do the same. To embody love is to embody Jesus. We might live through him. God lives in us and his love is complete in us. We have to open our house up. We have to open ourselves up because let me tell you something. In our neighborhood, there's more broken houses than there are fixed houses. In our neighborhood, there are hundreds of people and families who are broken and at a loss and they really, really need love. But let me tell you something. Sometimes we are quicker to recommend a plumber than we are to recommend Jesus. Somebody can say, my roof needs to be fixed. Who do you recommend that should fix it? And we would recommend somebody. 
We are quicker sometimes to help people fix the tangible things. And we aren't quick to say, hey, by the way, your roof may need to be fixed. But let me tell you something. I know a God who can fix every part of you. We have got to embody love. And we've got to open ourselves So listen today, no matter where your stage is, if today is the day that you're opening your door and saying, I'm broken and I'm falling apart and I need a savior to come in and save me, then today Jesus says, I'm moving in. Don't try to fix anything for me. Just let me move in and I'll get started. Today Jesus wants to move in and take residence in you. And listen, if Jesus has already moved into your house, Today may be the day that you need to say, hey, I've been letting you live here, but I haven't been letting you work. (laughs) Maybe we could start over here. I got some crumbling walls, some crumbling foundation. God, I really need you to come in and establish me, strengthen me. I need you to come in, God. I've, I've been letting you live here for a long time, years and years and years maybe. But there's some doors I've kept shut to you. And I I really need to let you into them so that you can come in and know the depths of me. I need you to come in and reach these high spots and these long spots and these wide spots. I've let you live here, but I've kept you like a roommate and not like a partner in this life. And I need you to come in and start loving me back to life. And today, if Jesus has been doing a complete work in you, then it's time to open your doors. It's time to start loving those around you. It's time to start embodying Jesus. There's a little song my mom used to sing, and it says, Love is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart, and the king is in residence there. When Jesus came down, when he was born into this earth, he took his flag and he said, This is my neighborhood. I am now in residence here. And you are not too broken down. You are not too weak or too dark or too lost for him to make residence for you. So make room for his love and let him do the work. Because here is what the word of God promises us. He will move in and he will save you. He will secure and renovate you so that you are strong and whole and filled. And he will fill you so much that you can love those around you. Those are promises that were born into this world the day that Mary gave birth to love. When Jesus came that day, he established his residence here in us forever. Love came down and established residence. The reckless love of Jesus. You know, people have argued about that term in this song, about what does it mean that Jesus is reckless? Well, I think what it means is that when I look at myself, I am a mess and I am not worth betting on. But Jesus looked at me and he said, no, I'm going to move in. And from the outside, it seems reckless to waste your money and your time on something so broken and falling apart as me. But the reckless love of Jesus, that word is describing how we see the love of Jesus, not how he sees it. 
Because to us, it is reckless to bet on me. It is reckless to look at me, a broken, falling down person, and say, I'm moving in there. But Jesus does it anyway. So listen, we are making room for Jesus. And this whole year, we've had to make hard choices. We've had to stay inside. We've had to pull away out of love for those around us. We've had to move inside. But you can be physically inside and love on the outside. Jesus has come and he's walking around this world with his goodness and his love and he's knocking on doors. I'm looking for a home to renovate. Can I come in here? I'm looking for a place to live. Can I live here? And how many of us have said, oh, oh no. You wouldn't want to live here. It's a mess in here. The kids have destroyed it. <laughs> Life has destroyed it. It's broken in here. It's cold. You wouldn't want to come in. And Jesus is saying, um, I got my toolbox. I'm ready to love this place back to life. Just make room for him. You stand with me today if you're here. If you're at home today, I'm going to ask that you just take a moment. If you're listening to this message right in your car, please don't close your eyes. But posture your heart. Jesus is standing in our neighborhood. He's already planted his flag and he said, this is my space. My kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Love came down and it made its residence here. And now he's coming to each and every one of us. And he's saying, will you let me in? And after you let me in, will you let me love you back to life? With the measure of all the fullness of God, will you let me love you? Lord, today we come before you. And God, I thank you for loving us. I don't know how you did it. I can't imagine choosing to step into this fallen place and love us all, but you did it. So God, today I pray for each and every person who will hear the sound of my voice, each and every person who will hear the words that I am saying. Today, God, if there is anyone who hears this, who has never opened the door of their life to you and let you move in, God, I say I pray right now that they would do that. If that's you, wherever you are, all you have to do is say, I believe. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let him in today. Jesus, come in and save us. Lord, today I pray that each and every person in the sound of my voice will make the choice to let you in to every corner, every spot, that we will give you access to every foundation and every door and wall, and we will let you fix us. We will let you renovate us and strengthen us Thank you, God, for coming in and continuing to work on us. And Lord, today I pray that each and every one of us, wherever we would go, 
that we would open up ourselves to embody the love of Jesus. No one has seen you, God, but if we love, it is you who lives in us. So may I be a place where you live. Take residence in us, Lord Jesus. We thank you today for your coming son. We thank you today for the love of Jesus that was born into this world. Take residence in us and love us back to life. In Jesus' name, amen.